comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Welcome to the DC TV podcast. Another great week of DC TV uh, that we're covering this week. We'll be going over Constantine, new episode of Constantine, the Devil's Vinyl, a uh, new episode of Gotham called uh, The Mask. Then we also have a new episode of The Flash called Plastique. And we'll be looking at the latest episode of Arrow titled Guilty, uh, Ted Grant centric episode. Um, joining me this week. As most weeks, are Mr. Rich uh, Sheldon, a.k.a. the Chub Toad. How are you, sir? I am reconsidering my classic vinyl collection at the moment. Yeah, after Constantine, I don't blame you. And the tycoon of the Taylor Network of Podcasts, Mr. Daryl Taylor. Hello, hello, hello. Well, let's start off with that, Constantine, since chronologically that's where we are. Um, we follow Constantine as he... Uh, Finds a cursed record. I guess it's an old acetate-like blues-type uh, uh, acetate record that they used to, you know, make uh, duplicate records from. That recorded a guy getting pretty much taken by Satan, and then uh, infects everyone who listens to it. Called the, the episode is called "The Devil's Vinyl." I'm again, just like last week, I'm getting a real X Files vibe off the way this kind of was set up. Yeah, um, dude. We, I mean, it was cool. We got to see Michael James Shaw's Papa Midnight. Which uh, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get to see him more as the series goes on because I thought he was really good. Well, I'm not really familiar with the Papa Midnight character, but you know I'm pretty new to all this Constantine stuff. I did pick up some stuff while I was at a Comic Con this weekend, though, that I'm going to read. But I have to say up front before we dive into this episode, um, if the pilot didn't get me, if last week's episode didn't get me. This episode has hooked me into this series. I loved this episode. It it was like a mini movie. What'd you think, Daryl? It was cool. It it's still I'm still getting used to the Constantine. The the he's a little nicer still, so I'm still getting used to that. I mean, even though he's a he's still you know he still has the arrogance that he's supposed to have and stuff, but it just it still just surprised me. Um, I don't know, it, it just getting used to how they, they, he's going out searching for the evil. Right. That That's just the only thing that's different. And I think we mentioned this on last week's episode, like they're kind of, I don't know, they're toning down definitely some of the more adult aspects of Constantine for sure. Yeah. Uh, some of the, uh, yes, I mean, it's definitely Constantine filtered through network television, you know. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm getting, like I said, more of an episodic, like X-Files type vibe as they go out um you know, to try to find the evil or whatever, and they all have their little, you know, superpowers, and uh, it's just really different from the Constantine I'm used to, you know, 
But I like it. Yeah, it's fine. I, I knew it was going to go in. It's going to be different. And if it's, especially if it's on network television, it's not going to be, you know. Well, and maybe thing. maybe I'm benefiting then by not having read because I'm, I'm I'm not getting quite the same vibe you are, or or the vibe I'm getting from what you're saying is. Yeah, I would only you would only get that vibe if you if you read. Yeah, yeah. Not even saying I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. It's just different. Right. It's just a different version. Because even in the the new version in DC Fifty Two, he is a little bit more proactive in trying to stop something evil from happening. Right. I mean, so there's still it. It's like they wrote it for TV, kind of the way that he's done. It, it's just that, yeah. So it's it's different. That's all. It's just a different take on it. I I still kind of get the reluctant hero vibe from him, though. You know, like regardless of searching out the evil or not, he you you can tell that you know it's not exactly on his list of favorite things. <laughs> well, I mean, so. he's definitely you know Matt Matt Ryan's definitely got the the character of Constantine down. Right. It just seems like the plots that he's been put in haven't been very Constantine like. That's and, the that's the difference, yeah. And you know, it's just a different kind of setup. It's a different way of going about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I said, it's not worse, it's not better. It's just different. Right. And as a longtime fan of the character, just you know, it's me adapting to that, you know, and like I said, I, I like the show. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. It's just not what I was expecting. As, yeah, in some ways, that, in some ways, right. In my head, I, it's only three episodes in, but just in my head, I know that if I'm thinking of the old Constantine, it would probably it would probably be his friend would would be sick or murdered because of they were coming to get Constantine and they just couldn't get him or damned to hell or damned to hell or something like yeah yeah. Now there were some really I really like some of the, some of the standout scenes in this episode, like the the recording of the the. The record, you know, while you know the guy's being taken by Satan or whatever, that scene was pretty awesome, I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, the scene where he makes him eat the contract, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's yeah. like, "Where do you think that? that awesome. Where do you think that saying came from?" And he like actually makes him eat it. And uh, when he tries to break into the school or whatever it is where they're playing the record, and he's listening to Anarchy in the UK on his yeah. headphones, yeah. that was that was pretty sweet for me, anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, there were some nice standout scenes. Um, Zed I, coming in, like Zed is a new thing too. Because she's not—I mean, she's helped with things, but she's not as helpful as she is on the show. Like they make her a lot more helpful because he really kind of gets her—you know—he he, she, she kind of goes down the the road that most people do when they hang with Constantine, where they get betrayed. But she's good. Like I li- I still like her. I like her on the show. I like. Um, Angel- Angelica Celia is really good at that. I think I think she really brings a lot to the show, yeah. and it's a really noticeable difference after they got rid of the actress from the original pilot. And yeah, it did. It did. It really is because she's um, she's like I I want to know about my abilities. She's kind of you know going into it that way. It's still funny though. Like it's like they're still on the go trying to tell us, look, she's good for the show. Don't worry about that other one. <laughs> like we wrote we had to change some things we had to write some things out don't worry about it because you know after like she stole the key card they needed to get in she knew sign language when no one else knew it because it was kind of like that they're still tapping us on the shoulder saying she's useful so right. just relax I, I i can sense better on-screen chemistry between matt ryan and her uh, as right. actors than the 
I don't remember who the actress was in the pilot, but because um, there were things about the pilot that just felt a little forced with her character, mm-hmm. and I don't get that with Zed. I, I mean, well, she looks like an adult, first of all. Like right. for them, she has a well. TV in general, sometimes they have a they're supposed to show like a character. A fe- it's, it's with female characters where you see this, where there's supposed to be a female character in the cast, and even though it's an older guy there's supposed to be someone for him to bounce off of and they pick a really young looking supermodel type looking girl and they're supposed to be very experienced they're the way of the world or they're a FBI agent or something like that and it just comes off as she doesn't look like any experienced you know like cop or whatever like she doesn't look like she lived yet she just seemed like an excuse for Constantine to give exposition to yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, what's happening to me? Well, now you're able to see ghosts from the other world. They're all around us. Oh, why? Yeah. what do you mean? I mean, I can't believe this. And, you know, the audience is way ahead of her character and figuring out what's going on to her with her. Exactly. So so you're bored sitting there waiting for the character to catch up where you are, whereas yeah. that is more open to these kind of experiences, has a little more experience with them and the world, and is way more believable as a foil to Constantine than, than and she she has a brain. Right. They write exactly. her with a prank when she figures things out. Like, oh, you know what? I will follow him because something wasn't right. Or, you know, and she's right now she saved him how many times? A few. <laughs> I've so. seen where they came in and he was covered in blood. Uh-huh. Uh, like dancing around in his, in the little circle or whatever. And then he's like, Oh he's just learning a new spell. He'll be with us in a few minutes. Right. Yeah. I mean the little little scenes like that are really what is keeping me, you know, glued to this show. Yeah, she already knows the weird, so it's not like she jumps at every little thing that happens. Right. Like, she already knows there's this world out there. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, um, you remember Friday the 13th, the series? Definitely, I remember that. Yeah, oh, it yeah. kind of reminds me of that in some ways. Like, they're going out to try to, like, neutralize these evil mm-hmm. artifacts, you know, or whatever. Especially this episode with the evil record or whatever. So, well, that's yeah. one of the things I like the most about this this episode. I mean, I'm I'm loving the series, but you know, I, I what you may or may not know about me is is I mean, I love music of many genres, but like one of the things that draws me in more than anything is the blues and old classic blues. And you know, you hear all these stories about the lost records of like Lead Belly and a lot of the. Uh, blues uh artists of the early part of the 20th century and how they're lost and the only thing that we have of them are people that heard them live and then have recreated their methods and 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 style later into the 30s and 40s and i don't know it just the whole thing when they went into the when she went into the record store and found that old record and then just everything and then adding the whole demonic aspect to it i don't know i just thought it was a great story there's always been that kind of blues mythology with the devil like you know robert johnson Mm -hmm. selling his soul to learn how to play blues guitar and oh yeah you know things like that so it kind of tied into that as well you know oh yeah and i mean this episode was written by mark verheiden who i mean i don't know if you know him but i mean you know his work i mean he is good with episodic television he did battlestar galactica heroes caprica i mean he did a lot of really he's done a lot of really good work and i mean i just i thought this was so well written yeah i enjoyed it um 
Yeah, it flowed. It flowed pretty well. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good. I think, I think this is a solid show. It's kind of um the the, th- the thing that's kind of bothering me about the Constantine is how many. If we're going to get a full uh, season or not, it hasn't been picked up for a full season yet, and the ratings right. have been ratings have been kind of iffy um, mm-hmm. so far. We talked a little bit more in depth about that last week, but they've been, they're about in the same place they were. Um, so I don't know if we're, I hope we get a full uh, season and give us time to really kind of develop some of these overarching stories, like with Manny, um, the you know the angel and stuff like that. So hopefully, keep our fingers crossed. We'll we'll get to see more Constantine. Uh, so yay on Constantine this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two other things though on it. Is one, sure. did anybody else get the Doctor Who vibes or the nods to it? Oh, it's bigger on the inside than the, the bigger outside. on the inside oh, yeah. and all that stuff. That that was good. But also for for me and probably and maybe others that are listening like me, can you tell me a little bit more about the Papa Midnight character? Because I don't know really much about. I remember. I don't remember everything about it, but he. Like the 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 show, he's he's a guy who likes the art. He loves to have the artifacts, like all the um, all those cursed stuff. He it's he's a he's like a broker for that type of stuff. It's, it's, he collects it. He has it. Um, he's also in the in the comics. He's also like a mob boss. Um, yeah, yeah, he is. He is. He's a he's a what is it? What they say like a voodoo mob boss. Right, that's how he kind of keeps his hold over his his uh, mob empire is with voodoo. Right. Um, so yeah, he uh, also I remember um also having like powers like slight powers of like hypnotism mm-hmm. that that he used. Um, uh, John Delano created him actually, and his first appearance was Hellblazer issue number one. So yeah, he um, had like one or two miniseries. Right, two actually. Um, but yeah, he's kind of the, he's kind of, uh, uh, um, the, um, almost like the voodoo version of John Constantine himself, you know, tries right. to okay. play, you know, he's like a little, a little bit ahead of the game. He, but he's the more entrenched, he was more entrenched in organized crime always in the, in the, uh, DC universe. Uh-huh. But yeah, Daryl, Daryl's absolutely right. He, he collect, tries to collect a lot of, uh, artifacts and draw power from them. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I've, I'm interested in his character right from the get-go once he appears in this episode i'm just like this character has a lot of interesting aspects and i wanted to know more so um i'm i'm I'm, everything that's so far about this show past the pilot i'm really really digging on yeah me too i'm i'm really enjoying the show quite a bit and like i said it's different than um you know the constantine i'm used to from the comics but that's not a bad thing no so yeah so hopefully it'll keep it I don't. I don't know if there there haven't been any. I don't think there's been any DC shows that were canceled yet. That were done. I don't. I don't know if NBC wants to start that either. Mm. You know, like you don't have re- the wave of all these networks trying to get these these superhero oriented shows is you know is going on right now, and I don't. I think maybe NBC would uh, maybe give this a full season to kind of not, you know, do that because they it's right now every channel wants something, and then, and a lot of the Marvel stuff is going to go to either ABC or Netflix. That you're just not going to get it anywhere else. Right. So your only other bet is you're going to get some ABC properties or some uh, dark dark horse or image stuff. Well, I mean, we see DC shows on like 
pretty much every other network that's not ABC. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it, that's I what know. I'm saying. Like NBC would not want to. I don't. I don't know if NBC, if you're thinking in a business business wise, if you're thinking about it, you want future stuff from them. You don't want to be the one, the network, to cancel something from them first. And then when you when the market you're trying to buy something else from them and they go no we're not selling you anything now you 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 know we already know what you're gonna do as well, how opposed are, to Fox and 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 CW how are their numbers for Constantine I mean are for they Friday it's that they've been pretty for... soft actually they've been the first couple episodes held ninety percent of their leading from Grimm. Mm-hmm. Which is a pretty decent share because I mean Grimm has a small but but loyal following in the That's the saying. Friday is a different a different type of deal. The right. numbers are a little a little smaller compared to other days of the week. Right. You know, but I mean if it's carrying ninety percent of Grimm and But it, what, what I was saying the first two weeks it did and it's been going down since then. Right. So their main thing will be how how many of their uh, audience, the original audience, you know, they keep like if they if it goes to a certain number and it stays that number, more you know more than less, then I think that they will try to give it a full season at least. Well, how are the it. plus three and plus seven though? Because I mean, a lot of people. That's that's the point I was just going to make was that the only thing that's really keeping Constantine afloat right now are the plus three and plus seven numbers because if they were just going by broadcast numbers, it's a lot lower than show, some shows that have already been canceled this this season. Right. So that it's that kind of plus three and plus seven additive uh, viewership that's really keeping this show afloat right now. So watch it on Hulu two or three times. Put it in the background while you're watching Hulu. Yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> put it on your phone and let it run in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say I. I'd... What is this? The third, yeah, third episode of Constantine. I haven't watched any of the three when they on Friday night. I've watched them all later. So yeah, they've all been that way. I watched this one today. This yeah. is when I saw this one. I think Friday night's uh, you know, especially for that you know eighteen to forty you know four demographic they want to hit. Friday nights and night, a lot of them are out and not watching. You know, they're not at home watching TV, and if they are at home, they're doing other things, video games or whatever mm-hmm. else, and. uh like right. I said, the plus three, plus seven numbers are what's holding, you know, helping Constantine hold on. So yeah, Assassin's Creed did come out this week. So yes, yes, it did. So did the Master Chief Collection. See, so I mean, that, yeah. that hits. That that hits all those notes. <laughs> it's the people they want to watch the show. It's the geek community there, man. Mm-hmm. So they got to get hit. I, but I, I have a feel. I, I think I have a hunch that they would do it. They're going to keep the show. I don't think they're going to be the one to. Uh, to pull the trigger on it to keep to just at least to just keep in, in, in NBC. I mean, in, in DC's good graces to buy other stuff. Well, I hope you're right. Cause I mean, you know, I like this cast. I like, you know, this has the potential to be a really cool show. So from your mouth to God's ear, Daryl, they have the deal with them that they had to at least make the, they had to air it when we talked about it before. Right. When nothing's on. They had to air the pilot. Right, it's a pay or play thing for the pilot. I think for I think it's for the first twelve episodes, mm-hmm. but after that, you know, like I said, nothing has been confirmed, nothing has been announced yet. So. Right, right. But yeah, it's a pay or play contract, which means even if they don't air all twelve episodes, they get to make them and they get to get paid for them. That's right. So it's a win win for for them, I guess, no matter what right. happens. Plus, the thing I, I I don't know if this is just anecdotal or whatever, but the people I talk to aren't. As enthusiastic about Constantine as they are about like the Flash or Gotham or Arrow this season, so 
Well, Constantine is. I mean, even if at their best, they're ne- even at this highest rated in the, even just the comics alone. It's never been. A, he's never been a character that's been um, well known, though. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the the main and, and most comic buyers uh, reading lists like they people say they've heard of him, but they never. But to actually know the story and stuff, they just don't. I think probably the highest profile he had was leading Justice League Dark there in the New Fifty Two yeah. launch, probably. Yeah. Um. Or you know, I mean, his or his first original appearance in Crisis on Infinite Earths, but mm-hmm. you know, that's going back thirty years now. Right, but you can't compare to like he's not an easy person to to know, like a Flash or you know. Right. Not easily that. encapsulated that one. No. Okay, our episode of Gotham this week was called The Mask. Mm-hmm. And we had Corporate Fight Club, which is pretty, sure pretty, did. pretty, effing, pretty effing cool, I thought. It looked like it, too. It looked like Fight Club a little bit also. Yeah, the way they had the lights, uh, the lighting mm-hmm. and stuff, with the, uh, the really bright off-centered off, uh, lighting and stuff in the cages. and Yeah. Yeah, kind I definitely got that vibe. Uh, we had a, I, I, don't, I really liked this episode. I mean, there was the whole... Uh, bit with the penguin trying to make nice with Fish Mooney and then end up, you know, kidnapping and killing her new assistant attaché or whatever. Yeah, because you knew it was a lie. Like, oh, that whole thing was just a, you know, I will pretend to be scared of you, Fish Mooney. Like, he does, even when he talks to her, he does that voice of, you know, being that little kid, kitty voice that he does his mommy. Plus, you know, when he gave her that brooch, he had to know she was going to attack him with it, you know? You know he's he's like, it would be like handing her a loaded gun with it standing in front of her, you know? Exactly. So he, he was setting, he, it seemed like he was setting up the dominoes to fall. Like, look, look what she did to my hand. Now I need to take revenge on her. Mm-hmm. And then he decided to steal her attache and, and you know, hang him out to dry. Literally. Yeah. That's what it felt like to yeah, me. Yeah, I felt that he set the whole thing up. Just completely like underestimate me he keeps saying he keeps yelling to her to underestimate me i want you to get mad i want you to be mad at me i want you to lash out plus by keeping her angry he's not keeping her thinking you know what i mean that's the thing keeping her emotions high is the best thing he can do right Mm -hmm. now because she's already tense because she's trying to take over falcone right um, I really like this, and the scenes with his mom just keep getting creepier and creepier. Yeah, I think something's gonna happen to her. I just have this feeling like, you know, Maroni or Fish Mooney or someone's gonna take it out on his mom, and that's gonna be the the snapper. You know what I mean? But I don't know. Who knows? I think um, he's already got him. Um, that's already. Oh yeah, <laughs> just if, you think? <laughs> yeah. You think just a little? Yeah. Um, the two most unnecessary parts of this episode for me, a. Barbara is just getting really boring to me. Mm-hmm. And they're, annoying. Yes, and her constant, like, you know, first, you know, she wanted him to let her into his life. So he, you know, she uh, inadvertently gets let into his life. Mm-hmm. And now she, you know, she wants desperately out of it because she's not safe. You know, um, and the second part I thought was really unnecessary was the bit with Selena Kyle at the end. Yeah, I would be fine if we didn't see her character for for. Yeah, Selena, I don't, I don't need the Selena Kyle stuff. Like, I don't dislike her, the actress, but I just yeah, there's not. I mean, I already the kid stealing. I got it. Like, just unless she's gonna give him some info, for real info on a, on a case 
I right. mean, it's really not much. This was unnecessary, you know. Right. There's so much going on already with the plot. You got, you know, Gordon and Bullock versus the entire police department, pretty much. The whole scene where Bullock, you know, sticks up for Gordon at the end and passes out those addresses. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I um, thought that was a powerful, that. powerful scene. I that was that awesome. Was Are you kidding me? Yeah, we and talked then, about that. Like, they're not going to do it because he shamed them. He's not going to. They're not going to do it right away. But you saw little by little when he threw it out there. Right. You know what the one that they won? They won Sarah, the captain. Yeah. She's yeah. the one oh, yeah. they won. This, she's uh, like, the scene where she comes in and saves Gordon after he kicks the shit out of all those guys. You know, and he's like, "Thanks." She's part she's of the like, circle. Like you're, you're you're welcome. You know, she really realizes that. You know. She's part of the circle. Like it, it seems like each episode, you slowly get a little. You get a little bit you get added to the circle of Jim Gordon because it's all because of him. Like yeah. it's all because of him. And another, now, another really powerful scene was the scene with, um, uh, where, uh, uh, Bullock is telling me, oh, look, you know, you, you know, I stood up for you here. I stood up for you there. And then all this. And then he tells Bullock, he's like, I'm going to take everybody down, take down the mayor. I'm going to take down Falcone, Maroney, every crooked cop that I know is on the take. And I'm going to do it whether you stop me or not, you know, and right. that's Gordon. is just a badass on a mission, man. And it's just awesome to watch. It's just really, really good team. Right. He's looked down the barrel of a gun. It's kind of like he's been by, he, he was alone. And I'm he, glad, I'm glad um, the Barber character is going to be out of the picture for a little while, I guess. Um, because, well, you, you know, needed said, that. Yeah. She's never going, like, they, they're Barber destined throughout all incarnations. Um, she never could handle uh, Gordon being a cop. It, with uh, being uh, a Gotham City cop, it just it always destroyed their marriage. Right. I don't care what incarnation you get, it always destroys their marriage. Well, so. not to mention she's just a psycho woman, so you know she's not very I interesting. Send your letters too. Yeah, send all your letters, your your anti-chauvinist <laughs> letters too. <laughs> Chub Toad one Exactly. But I mean, she. This is what. I knew it was coming was that she was going to like she said she wanted this, but it's different when you actually you know when you actually know that your life is in jeopardy, and she was right, he couldn't protect her like that's something he had to do he has to deal with too like when you go you you become this long wolf McQuaid thing in gotham you you can't protect everybody and she she didn't get that at first. I think at first when it was just kind of all intangibles and all kind of just, you know, theoretic. Right. You know, she was just like, you know, oh, of course I want to be part of your life. I want to be let in, blah, 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 blah. But then when it became real, when, you know, when she got real, as, as it did yeah. in the last episode, <laughs> yeah. uh, she was singing a different tune. So um, I also really like the stuff with Alfred and Bruce this episode. Oh, I love how you deal with a bully. That I was just it. awesome. And did ever, anybody catch that boy's name? Oh yeah, that's uh, uh, Tommy. That's Tommy. Should, should Hush, right? Hush. Hush. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the first thing I thought of when I, when I heard. Which is interesting because I mean, in the comics, he was his best friend in childhood, right? And mm-hmm. here he's this bully. There's no. Yeah, that could turn into a best friend in a minute. That could, yeah. 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 That's what I was thinking. I, I mean, this is the first episode where I fully am behind this style of Alfred, the character. Um. Just, I mean, that it just. What did he say? Just remember, I let him, or I almost let I'm, him. I'm the one who let him. Hey, I know. Yeah. He said he almost um, killed me, and he said, and yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, he did. And remember, <laughs> I'm the one who let him. 
And then the scene where Bruce asks if uh, Alfred if he can help him learn to fight. Now I can already foresee people get going. Oh, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. No, I'm just saying I do want to see. Like I do want to see him being trained by Alfred. That's something we've never seen. Now here's something I I, I I want to tell people about Gotham, and I realize and I, this is after reading a lot of comments uh, about the show. I think if you take the show on its own merit, rather than trying to compare it to you know Dark Knight or whatever version of Batman you like, if you just take the show on its own merit, uh, I think you're going to enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, I it, think it, I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. It's just but like, I think a lot of people are either like, they poo-poo it because, oh, I don't need to see baby Bruce, I don't need to see baby Selena, blah, 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 blah. But if you just take it as Gordon's story, you know, a cop in a corrupt city, you know, take take the Gotham and the trappings away, you know, would you still watch the show? I think I would, you know. Yeah, and, well, and the thing with Selena, and I think you already touched on this, but, you know, it's that she doesn't feel natural to the cast, like... She shoe every everything is shoehorned in with that character, and we're but we are tied to needing that character at some point because of her importance of witnessing the Wayne's murder, or right. will that be important? Who knows? Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on that I loved about this week's episode, and that what I'm liking really so far in the series is how they're spoon-feeding us just little bits and pieces of Edward Nigma, and it's enough of his shtick to really make it enjoyable, but not over the top, like they did the first couple of episodes he was in. It was a little over the top, but um, well, that did. whole thing with the autopsy. Where he was doing it, doing an autopsy for fun, pretty much. Yeah, well, and what he was saying into the into the recorder and everything, I was just dying. I thought it was great. Yeah, I was watching well, that, and I was like, I was like, wait a minute, is he really? You know, are they really letting him? Is he a doctor that they're letting him do the? Um, they're letting him do do the autopsy right. and stuff. So, um, yeah, and then when the actual medical medical examiner walks in, it may all make clear sense. And they don't like every episode is not filled with every single character from the. That's gonna. That's on the show. Like they only really did the. You know, they only really had all all these characters introduced in the first two episodes, and then after that, it's pretty much been sprinkled here and there. They just right. let you know that they exist. Like they they do have this. They do like we haven't seen any poison ivy stuff. We like they, they're not forcing fifteen million characters in your face in your face. Every episode, even Selena Kyle, she's only been in two, three. Or she showed up in the second episode, was in the third, and then this episode. She right. has been in the past couple. But exactly. yeah, I just, I just felt like she was shoehorned in here, and I just really did not. It just didn't make sense for her to be in this episode. But maybe it's setting up something for the next one. So. Well, it was. It was. Um, she's right. going to. Um... From the preview for the next episode, she kind of like while Alfred's teaching him how to fight and and defend himself, she's teaching him a little bit of the other stuff, you know, like the criminal side, you know, how you do this, how you do that, you know, look for stuff and you know you you need to know if you're gonna you're gonna go after criminals, you're gonna need to know how they think and how they move, what they do. Like, he's going to have to do these things. Now, looking back, or I'm I'm thinking back to some of the... I've read a lot of Silver Age Batman. 
And I'm thinking that there have been hints or stories of Alfred training him in certain things leading up to the point where he started his his own training and then eventually they got retconned into the whole League of Shadows and all that stuff. But I I think I remember stories. Well, the League of Shadows, you mean just for the movie version of League of Shadows. Well, right? yeah, but, I, but huh. I'm just talking about, you know, and even going back to the classic uh, 66 series, you know, Alfred always seemed to have this little bit of knowledge that he would impart onto Bruce, you know, and, and you could tell that there was that, not just the, the bond that they have as family, so to speak, but Mm -hmm. there is a, uh, a teacher and student relationship there. I've always had that sense between the two of them. I thought it was always implied so that they're going to actually explore that into this show. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, yeah, well, he was all, like, he was uh, Bruce Wayne, especially in the early years of Bruce Wayne, he was a lot into education. Like, they kind of got away from that kind of in the more modern take on on Batman as he grew up. I was just going to say, in, the pre-cri- in pre-crisis, uh, uh, Alfred was a uh, um, an intelligence agent mm-hmm. from MI5. Um, well, they kept so, yeah. that. Yeah. Right, and they yeah. kept that in the animated series, which I thought was cool. And the, uh, that that uh, you know, he he had, his father had served the Wayne family, and then he served them as well. Yeah, Alfred was his was the the one that he intellectually could talk to about cases and stuff like that was that was um, kind of how they did it back then, especially in the um, the time where they moved him out of the cave and he was in the uh, penthouse, and they they didn't have Robin with him as much uh dick went to school like he kind of pushed dick to go to college and it was just him and and alfred again before todd jason todd came along and it was just and they would talk like they would talk cases out they would you know when he would he would have problems with it you know they would kind of work it out together so that was his intellectual commandant as they say like he he was the one that the, he he had the knowledge and experience of things, and he would be able to talk to Batman or Bruce on a, on a level that most people couldn't. Well, I definitely am enjoying the way they're portraying him here in this show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, especially with the bully, you know, dealing with the bully situation. When he walks away, he's like, "What would you like for dinner, Master Bruce? Pizza." <laughs> that sounds like an excellent choice. <laughs> so, now going back to the whole. Um you know, bad guy of the week or the whole thing they were dealing with, with the corporate fight club deal, which I thought was a great story, but I don't know. I just, the, the guy who was the mask, the mask thing just kind of, I don't know. I just didn't really, it just felt so cookie cutter villain. I don't know. His name was in the show was Richard Cianis mm-hmm. and the black mask in Batman continuity is <clears throat> named Roman. Uh, Sianna, so we could figure out, you know, there's maybe his son, maybe, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, coming up or whatever. But I liked, it, I liked it as a metaphor for their whole thing of they're doing about the one percent, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, yeah. and the rich, the rich feeding off the poor and everything. I thought that was, the, you know, people were so desperate to break out of that cycle and break out of poverty into that elite of Gotham that you know they're willing to fight each other to the death. I mean, they're really showing. You know, the division between the haves and the have-nots in a stark contrast here, I thought. 
I mean, one th- what's memorable to me is the whole Fight Club deal, but him himself, he's just, you know, he was I, don't know. I wasn't impressed. Like, he, he really was a good take on the, how the 80s were. You know, the cocaine era, the business era. Like, you look at um, Wolf of Wall Street, like that type of, right. you know, everybody wants to get in. This is the, the, the dot-com era. Like, I, I think that whoever, you know, did this episode was kind of focusing in on that. Like, this was the this was the thing where you had you had tycoons that weren't they didn't grow up with money. Their money came later and, and now they're, you know, people want it. You know, they're charismatic to a point and people want this money. They want to be rich. They want to, you know, like that. They it, it kind of getting away from the. um the Waynes kind of, you know, like how the Waynes were, they just, their family was wealthy from the, you know, and they, they had generational wealth, wealth. Now they're getting away from that. Now you have, you know, get rich any kind of, kind of way you can. And then that's kind of what you got from him. He wasn't an important villain, but he just was kind of a, I think he was more for Jim. All right. Now I got the whole thing where you're dark and broody. But do you want to be that guy that's going to be a killer? Are you going to cross the line or are you going to be a cop? Plus, it reminds us like how, you know, Gordon is is a killer. He's, you know, combat, you know, hardened and stuff. There's that scene with him and Sionis where, you know, he's all, you know, he's eyeing him up. He's like, I can always tell someone who's actually killed a man, you know, just by right. looking at them and stuff. And you know, he was we're still just, a soldier cop more than right. that, but he hadn't crossed that line. Like when he had to make that decision. Because you're going to be facing a whole bunch of, like, and that's the thing I like, too. Like, Gordon, you're going to be facing the most horrible villains ever. And how does that stop you from just being the guy that just wants to put two bullets in the brain every time you have a case? You know, and but at the same time, you want to be, you, you want to uphold that, the law. So, like, you have to, you know, they have to strengthen, uh, Gordon's resolve of not crossing the line. So we need episodes like this too to kind of do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like I said, and it also really put into stark contrast the division between the the rich and the poor in Gotham. I mean, it's almost like Liz Miserable or something. You know, it's like really, you know, the 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 people in poverty are really poor, and the people that right. are rich are really rich. So yeah, that's how it is now. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to America. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you guys think of Gotham? Uh, yay or nay? And then we'll go to some. Uh... I, uh, yay for me. It's still yay. It's still doing good for me. It's definitely a yay. I mean, these last three episodes have been really, really good. And if they keep this level of quality in these episodes throughout the rest of the season, then it's just bigger and better things for Gotham. Yeah, I definitely right. think it's starting to hit its stride. It's starting to find a good tone uh, in between, you know, like trying to be, you know, like we said, some of the earlier episodes seemed a little campy, a little goofy. Right. And I don't think we've had that in the past few episodes. I think it's really starting to take it, you know, find itself, you know, find its way, find its voice as it were. A little bit more on Maroney too. Like you, you get a little bit more on that front as well. And now uh, Penguin knows a little bit more of the puzzle with, Somebody close, uh, Fish has someone close to Maroney right now. Yeah, I don't think it's going to uh, take long for him to figure out who it is. Yeah. 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 
Uh, we had some good comments on the Facebook group about Gotham. If you'd like to join our Facebook group, we would love to have you. It's an open group. It's DC TV podcast on the Facebooks. It's very popular with the young people. Um, Aaron Newarth, a frequent guest of the show, writes a weekly review of Gotham um, for theyoungfolks.com. And uh, we have a link to it on our Facebook group. So if you want to check it out there, we also have some cool stuff, including a sneak peek of Harry Dent coming up on Gotham. Oh, yeah. Uh, which will be pretty cool. But we had some good comments on this episode. Sean Rogers, our friend from down south. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I can see the series is getting better, I'm really losing my interest in Gotham. You know I don't care all that much for this show. If I'm flipping channels to watch Fast and Loud on Discovery, mm-hmm. uh, C-. Ouch. Sorry, Sean. Um, I've been thinking it's been getting better and better. So, uh, Adam Fatah, frequent uh, email contributor to the Nothing's On podcast. Um, I enjoyed this week epi- I enjoyed this week's episode. I give it four out of five stars. I felt the Selena Carl part did not belong in this episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, is this the origin story of the Black Mask? And finally, a friend of mine and uh, comics artist uh, Mikey Wood chimed in that Black Mask in the comics is Roman Sianis. The guy in the show was Richard Sianis, but yeah, Black Mask. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> the last couple of episodes have been really great. Couldn't agree more, my friend. And thanks yeah. for writing in. And if you would like to comment on uh, you know any of the shows that we talk about on this podcast, please feel free to do so at the Facebook group. Join us. We're up to sixty nine members uh, at last count. <laughs> and I, I know it's uh, Chubb's favorite number because he, uh-huh. likes, he likes symmetry. But um, huh. we, um, I know there. I know just from Google, Google Analytics, we're reaching a lot more people than that. So and join the Facebook group. Get in on the conversation. Hey, question, I just got thinking about this, you know, they're hitting all these legacy villains, you know, like this is possibly the father to, you know, the Black Mask in the comic and everything like that. Now, I I don't know how much of the new 52 Batman you've read. Um, One of the things I really like that Scott Snyder has brought into the Gotham or Batman mythos and even Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray when they were writing the all-star Western stuff in Gotham late in the uh, 1800s was the Court of Owls. You think that that's something that we would possibly get and would it be something you'd want to see? I was never in love with that idea like a lot of people were. Like, I know a lot of people really thought that was a cool idea, and I did read Talon for a while, and I thought it was okay, but I, I never really dug that whole Court of Owls idea all that much, so I might not be the person to ask. It, I'd like the Court of Owls, but there's a, li- there's a limit to it. Like no, I, I agree that there's a limit, yeah. You gotta, you gotta have a limit to how, like, underground, and, and like, you can't have it that they're all, and they're everywhere. Like, you have to, after a while, it's kind of like, okay, okay. Like, they can't be every freaking place. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I just like the idea of this, you know, this... You could play on that, though, a little bit. whole thing, you know, within Gotham that's been going on for over a century. You know, this like this, you know, just secret society of people that are really running... Well, the only thing with that is you, you can never have it really come to... Like, if you play with that now, the only problem with that is you'll never get to deal with it. Like, you'd have to have it just be in the background and and never be dealt with of the show. Yeah, I I can see what you're saying, yeah. 
So maybe they could play on that. There's a sort of secret society out there. They kind of are playing on that because there are is a secret conspiracy mm-hmm. that's going on with getting, the, you know, someone killed the Gordons and it wasn't a regular, just a regular hit. There was something behind this. So um, you have that and that's fine. Like you can you can work on that and have that in it and and throughout the show. And that's that could be something that is never really solved, you know. That would be that, cool, and which would be cool. But I'm fine with that. To have it never be solved, I'm cool with that too. I like the direction the show's taken, and I don't, I don't know if the Owl, Court of Owls thing might be uh, confusing to people who don't know that part of the mythos too. I mean, they pretty much kept to True. stuff from Batman that's like pretty mainstream. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, they haven't gone off into a lot of the newer stuff or a lot of the more. You know, fringy stuff like, uh, you know, people know Catwoman, they know Riddler, they know right. Penguin, you know, so those that's really the notes they've been hitting so far. But, I mean, I wouldn't totally rule it out. They, they might play with it, you never know. Speaking of a show that doesn't mind mining continuity for all it's worth, let's move on to our next DC TV show for the week, The Flash. Yeah. Plastique. Excellent. First off, just want to say Clancy Brown, my favorite character actor of all time. Best Lex Luthor ever. Don't care what you say. That's what I say. Great episode. I thought once again, MF and Grodd. Uh, just I don't know. Just great. The something that really was I thought was a good character moment in this episode. Before we get to all the action and everything, is um, um, uh, Joe knowing all along that Barry was in love with his daughter. He had like he's a father. and just uh, yeah and just waiting. I mean, it's, it makes much more sense that he would know that he wouldn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of great, there were a lot of great moments in this episode. I just thought it was another strong, strong episode. You can tell it's a per like the people writing this, sometimes when they write, sometimes you have TV people writing families, you kind of ask yourself, have you ever really been in one? (laughs) You you write, you don't write a family like a, like a real person's family. You, you kind of, it's generic. You say they're family, but then they don't react that way. And this, like someone who raised you. From a child up, they just they know they know certain things. They know how you look at somebody differently, like somebody you like. Right. I mean, they've been under the same roof for what twelve years. And he's a detective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on top and, of that, <laughs> and even a, but a yeah, but a, just a good father. Like he, like on top of that, you you know, good you good fathers. You know when your kid has a when there's certain things your kids. Uh, reaction to things you you know it you will know when your kid is in love with somebody you'll know it like you just can't live under the same roof and see them every day and just not catch these things and what i loved about it what really made me really love this is when barry came to him and said um i could change my voice just to sit back and he looked at his kid like he looked at this guy like that's my son Mm mm-hmm and yeah. it was just, yeah. he was like, just, he sh- he's bringing something to me that he's excited about. And, well, and him of, laughing at it and just right, that playful moment, of, it was so great. It's so, and it's so refreshing after so many superheroes. I mean, even Arrow, you know, just very serious and dour and grim and gritty. Like, one of the things I love about the show is that, like, no matter how much danger or trouble he's in, he's really having fun. You know, the characters seem to have fun, you know. There's a yeah, there's a difference. Like Barry, uh, uh, Oliver had bad parents. Yeah. He was not raised well. As opposed to Flash, he was raised 
with some, you know, like he he raised him in a, a normal life as possible. Like Joe gave them as normal a life as possible, and they're pretty much well adjusted kids. And he was raised in a loving home with his mother and father before the tragedy showed. Right. I mean, just. You know, and we've talked about it in in earlier uh, podcasts about how even going back to him being a child, he's always wanted to do the good thing or the right thing. And, you know, that's a good basis for a hero. And, And the fact that it's not the tragedy of his mother that caused him to take on the mantle of a superhero. It's the the blessing of, you know, realizing it's a blessing and the gift of getting the, these powers through the accident with the super collider, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's just, it's very refreshing in comparison to, you know, what we get with, you know, Bruce's parents killed and a, like Jim said, Ollie's parents are not exactly what we would call the most great of people, Uh, you know, (laughs) And they, and they've all kept to the comics pretty well because the Flash was out of most of the heroes, he didn't come out of a tragedy when he got his powers. His powers were just from an accident at the lab, it, and and it wasn't something you know. It didn't kill his parents. It didn't cause something to happen. He didn't have to lose an uncle, you know, something like that, for him to want to be the Flash. He got the once that accident happened, he pretty much jumped on it. Like, I'm going to be the Flash. I'm going to help people. That's just pretty much what Barry did. But it just, I just could not get over how I found myself smiling at Joe's reaction to him when he's showing him that ability to change his voice. And it's just like, I don't know if they even, if if Joe, if the, the actors that played those characters knew each other before this show started, but... Maybe Jesse Almarn's oh. just a damn good actor, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's it. Is I I just I think his acting is superb. And let me tell you something too about these comic book television shows. I love it when I am surprised by characters that did not exist in the comics before becoming characters that I love on these shows. I mean, when right. you look at the Daryl character in Walking Dead, um, and then, you know, Joe here, just these characters, Joe to me has become a very, very crucial part of the origin of Barry Allen, the flash. And he's never existed before a couple mm-hmm. months ago, you know, yeah, I don't and, need, and- I, I don't need to see our Iris as much. Like it's okay to not have a love interest right now in the in this on the show. Like he can pine a little bit for it, but I mean we don't really have a love interest right now going on, and that's fine. Like it's I I take a lot of enjoyment from from watching him just 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 talk to Joe about things, and then uh, the aspect of throwing in that he's becoming more and more friends with these two. Like people didn't like her. Like I, I know people were like thrown off by how she reacted to Barry, but I think that as the the show continued, you saw why she acted like that. And now she's really like become like part of the team and they become friends. I mean, she develops that, you know, hyper alcohol for him so he can mm-hmm. get drunk for like, you know, what is it? But she really seconds? cares about that. Yeah, like, she, she cares really about really cares about him. And that's why she be, she was annoying because <laughs> because she did want him to be okay. Yeah. Like that I mean, was the main part of it. There's also a scene with her and Plastique that is kind of um 
kind of echoes that, you know, where she's, you know, talks about how, you know, when Barry first came to them, they didn't know what to expect and, mm-hmm. you know, everything else. And then she's the first one other than Barry that she's actually been able to test because all the others have either been killed or imprisoned, you know. Right. And the whole thing with. They didn't know what to do with her. You know, they were like, you know, they couldn't put it, they couldn't imprison her, you know. Right. If you're not a team of, of military people or, or sat. Like, if you're not assassins for the government, what the hell can Plastique do? Like, she can't... Her powers are so dangerous that it's really... You can't just throw a suit on her and just have her running out with Barry. Like, in my mind... Because the first thought I had was, oh, she could, you know, join the team. And, and then, But then when you think about it, no, she can't, because how? what is she going to do? Right. Like, her powers would kill somebody eventually. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Unless you have her as a trained, you know, operative where she's going against, you know, people that you do have to kill. You know, like if that's not the case, it's really no way to, you know, there's really no way to acclimate her into a vigilante hero. There was one scene where Barry refers to her as a human, a human bomb. And it made me think of that character from the DC universe that has to wear a containment suit not to blow anyone up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was a four-issue miniseries about a year or so ago that Palmiotti and Gray wrote, The Human Bomb, that was a little different than than The Human Bomb in previous continuity. And I got excited in this episode because I'm like, are they going to bring this character in and actually, you know, and they were talking about making her part of the team and all that stuff. I got really excited, but then, you know. And then Barry, I mean, you have that light character moment before where, like, he, him and Joe, you know, when he's showing off how he shows, you know, vibrates his face and voice and stuff. And that just really offsets how, you know, how terrible and how helpless he feels at the end of the episode when, when you know, after Plastique's been killed, you know, the one person he's met who's, you know, survived this kind of metahuman process who, who you know, didn't want to kill him or wasn't psychotic. And now right. she, gets, she gets soft. I mean, that's really, that's a huge blow to him. And I wonder, though, um, if they can kind of change her from being Plastique to to the human mom, in a way. Mm. Because part of it is she does blow up, but she comes back together again. Like, she doesn't stay yeah. destroyed. And what's to say that she can't, you know, well, true, reconstitute herself and come back? Daryl, people never come back to life in comic books. What are you talking about? Oh, that's that's right. My People bad. who are dead in comic books always stay dead, Daryl. Always. Only if their name is Ben Parker. Except Bucky. Well, and not Merlin. They can't be named Merlin. Right. 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 But a lot, lots of great, um, the, where he had to figure out how fast to run to run up the side of the building. Mm-hmm. And then how he had to figure out how fast to run to, uh, you know, do his little Dark Knight uh, <laughs> Rises thing at the end with the bomb. Here's my thing about that is why is he asking them to calculate that? Shouldn't he just be like, I'm going to go as fast as I can? Well, he might go just... too fast and just totally overshoot the building. No, because oh, yeah. yeah. if you think about I think the the like we think about it because of comics, but if you really were to be on T, like if you you put it in a in a in a um, more realistic setting, you have two geniuses on the line. I don't know if I'm going to go through the building and 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 just punch a hole through it. I don't know if I could be able to True. go up the like I want to know because when you think about it, 
there's a guy's life on the line. If I mess up. Right. So if you I'm go too fast gonna... and overshoot it, you're just going to not even be there to catch him. If you right, don't right. go fast enough, you're not going to go up the side of the building. Uh, same with the water. Yeah. Yeah. So you do want to, and I liked it. Um, and that kind of, I think it kind of solidifies the bond with Barry and, 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 and the, his, uh, you know, the group, because he kind of, he, he really relies on them. I don't know. Cisco was so mad when his uniform got blown up. I know it's funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, what happened funny. to the uniform? It exploded. What? And then he goes, "Oh, but she's hot." Yeah, right. And he forgets all about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Because he's still young. He's saying he's still young. Yeah, right. Young adult. The scenes right. with Tom Cavanaugh and uh, and Clancy Brown, kind mm-hmm. of facing off. They had two like almost like bookend scenes that were almost the same. Oh yeah. Uh, both very powerful scenes. This is the first episode that he kind of really did something really negative, I think. Profess the professor when trying to convince her to go to kill. Uh, Ella. Oh right, right. It's the only way she'd be free. I, right. I wasn't really surprised by that. I kind of, you know, it kind of made sense for his. Well, usually he, he, rea- he at the end he'll react. He'll either take out the threat on his own or something. But this is the first time he's been proactive. That we've seen, like this is the first time we've seen him actually put his hand in it and affect yeah. the storyline, mm-hmm. because usually he doesn't do that. So he's he's kind of it seems like his obsession with this is kind of it seems to be growing. And I don't know if it's just me to think it that way, but it it seems like he's really it's starting to maybe some cracks are starting to to fill. There's also that line too where Eiling says something you know about you know what would a man you know a sacrifice to uh, enable a secure future that they envision or something like that very much you know um, like it was double meaning toward yeah. Doctor Wells because he's definitely trying to manipulate mm-hmm. things to a future that he knows. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, just re- again a really strong episode all around. Yeah, definitely. definitely. The scene where uh, he he goes to meet uh, Iris, and he st- keeps standing where she can't quite see him in the light, mm-hmm. and um, it almost reminded me of the scene in uh, Super- the original Superman the movie. Yeah, a little bit with uh, you know, Margot yeah. Kidder when yeah. she interviews when she finally gets to meet Superman and interview him. I will tell you one thing that I'm hoping that they solve soon. And because it's something that annoyed me about Smallville for many, many years, the whole referring to him as the red, blue blur and things like that. And now he's being referred to as the streak or whatever. You know, they need to just get to the point of he is the flash. Well, he really hasn't. I think something's going to happen or it's going to be big enough that he will have to be seen in public. Not to really, uh, uh, you know, spoil anything, but the next episode is called The Flash is Born. There you go. Well, there you go. uh, Hopefully your your, uh, uh, stuff will be um, dealt with at that point. Yeah, because he's not in it. I mean, really, if you think about it, you're not going to go into it like, oh, this is, you know, I'm The Flash. Call me the flat. He's not talking to anybody. Like the, you know, only the yeah. people that know him are the ones he talks to. And then, you know, they're not going to call him the Flash. Like, eventually, when he helps more people, like he's helped enough uh, EMT workers, firemen, police officers, that they know he exists. Well, I think eventually, now when he finally has to do something really public, 
that's when when they go to love him, like they really kind of treat him as the hero. It kind of it's earned because he's been helping them all these episodes. Like he's right. really been saving people and and whatnot. So now it's really earned that that Keystone City will really love him as a champion. You know, eventually. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was kind of touching too that the only reason that she's that Iris is so hot to find out stuff about the streak is to help Barry. You know, like that I was said, just, Joe raised some good kids. Like he really raised yeah, some good no kids. Doubt. You know, welcome, welcome to the friend zone, Barry. I'll save. I've saved you a seat. Come on. <laughs> Not only just a friend, because she really loves like. It, right, it's it sisterly, is, it, brotherly love, yeah. It really loves and cares about Barry, and she likes Barry. Like, they really care about each other. And I think it's enough of a way that that could change to in love over time. Like, that, you know, because she knows him so well and she cares about him so much. Um, they care about each other so much. But, I mean, I think it could go either... It could, it could change that way into another way. It's not just... I think you know what it is when we compare it to Smallville, but when in Smallville, when Lana looked at Clark, it didn't feel like she was looking at him as I care about him, which made me not like Lana as much. It felt like he was love he was uh looking off and, and, and always in love with her and wanting to be with her, but it didn't feel like she really wanted to be with him so every time something happened they would break up it'd be easy like she would come she would take two steps towards them and then something would happen and she'd take 20 steps back it didn't take much for that to happen but iris and barry they really have a connection like they really care about each other they really love each other and it would it's not something that would just break or, you know, she would just turn away from him just like that. Like, he, she really cares about him. I mean, even the stuff with when he says, maybe we just need to take a break from seeing each other for a while. Just on a friend level, she's heartbroken by that. Because she how right. much she cares about this guy. You know? So, it, it's... I I love this show. I'm, I will gush. I'm gushing. Because it's just... You've, I fell in love with the show. The way that they set this up and the way the people that they use on this show, I think there's no one on this show that I don't like. Yeah. Usually you have one or two people that you kind of go, eh. They're right, okay. like uh, Laurel on Arrow. Exactly. Instance. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And every show has that. Like every, every show they've done so far of any show um, I've watched that I've I've come to like there's always even in my Star Trek glove there's a few of the ones in the cast where you go eh I could I could do without that one and then eventually as the seasons progress you kind of find some you know you like them a little bit more as they get developed but with the flash it's really been pretty quickly these characters have really gelled pretty quickly on this show and I think it's it's uh you just watch it and you feel good about it. When you watch it, you feel good. You're in it. When the show ends, you still feel good about it. And like that's the kind of thing the show is. It's like that. That's how. That's how much I love this show. Well, and it, 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 when you're watching a television show that you like this much, that half hour or hour or whatever, how long ever the show would be is that it just goes by so quick and you're just disappointed that it's over yeah, and that it's another week till the next episode, you know, and 
there's been a lot of TV shows that I've loved, but there's been very few in my life that it that it's like that to where I'm just so disappointed that the episode is over and I got to wait another week, you know, and right. Flash is definitely that. And it's definitely the gem of the new fall shows this year. I, I, I to me, it's it, it doesn't just stand out. It stands out by a mile. Uh, but you know, I've said to many people, and I think I've said it on here is it is the best scripted show on network television right now. I just, I just think of it as the most entertaining to me. Like I, I don't th- like, I didn't even think of it as being the smartest show or anything like that. I just think of this show as just the most entertaining. I can see. I really enjoyed it a lot. It's, a, it's my favorite of the DC TV shows that I had to pick one. Um, oh yeah, it's just, it's just been firing on all cylinders. It's just been doing really well, and our uh, the people have commented in our Facebook group agree as well. One word review from Mikey Wood, awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Campbell from No Apologies and other uh, and the Valiant podcast, uh, loved it. My two favorite villains spotted in back to back episodes, if only for a minute. I assume he's talking about Heat Wave in the last episode and yeah. our friend Gorilla Grodd at the end of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so great, and I'm glad they're distancing Iris and Barry good for the show. Our frequent contributor, Philip Hurd, I'm really enjoying the show. The CW drama is somehow more palatable than on Arrow. Um, Barry is basically a more fun and likable protagonist and not all dour and angry all the time. Overall, it's pretty bright and upbeat. Um, I have to agree with that. I mean, we get a lot of that in, com- in, uh, in comics and in comic book movies, you know, the the grim and gritty, you know, I think, you know, this is definitely a character that doesn't, that doesn't apply to, you know, um, Patrick, Tony, uh, loves seeing Barry save that window washer by running up the building and the scene later when he ran on water, mm-hmm. uh, Joe West proves how smart he is by, re- by, uh, revealing he's always known about Barry's crush on Iris, Barry walking away from Iris at the end didn't make sense to me. Nice to see Clancy Brown on screen. Uh, Donnie Salvo, Daryl and I's uh, compatriot from the Nothing's On podcast. This is my favorite comic book TV show. Uh, Gil Colon, uh, when he ran up the building, I was, yeah, yeah, son. And then the water come on now. Then the last scene, I was like the Key and Peele skit with the valets like Liam Neeson's. If you haven't seen the Key and Peele skit with the valets, you really should. That is awesome. Nonstop. Uh, Johnny M. from the uh, It's All Connected podcast, another podcast on the HHWLOD network. Uh, mm-hmm. Won't spoil the end, but I loved it, of course. Face and voice changing the vibrations worked very well. Uh, building the water running awesome. Also, to me, this is the gem of the new fall season. I don't see he agrees with each other. Uh, Gotham and Constantine are fine, but Flash for the win. And then uh, yep. we got Russ L. also from the HHWLOD podcast network and also from It's All Connected and The Long Box of Doom and a bunch of other shows there. Uh, it takes a lot usually for me to genuinely laugh out loud while watching a TV show. Uh, Joe laughing all giddy over Barry hiding his voice caught me just right. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever Barry vibrates his head to disguise his face, it reminds me of the early John Byrne Superman where that's what he did so people didn't recognize him. I'd forgotten about that until Russ mentioned it, but yeah, the man. Is, oh know. yeah, yep. And then Donnie Salvo with one more comment, Grod, son. So now we find out Grod, Grod is part of the Super Soldier experiment uh, yeah. that he was doing for Island back in the day, five years ago. It said in the flashback scene. So 
it was cool to see that that nameplate there um, and to know you know know Grodd the way we do uh, from the comics. I can't wait. Yeah, I wonder if they. I guess no Gorilla City. Anyway. Well, well, don't rush. Gorilla City was not built in a day, sir. No, it wasn't. Listen, <laughs> we'll get there eventually. You know, I'm. I'm I, it's funny. Johnny M was telling me he was waiting for the 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 gorilla to just turn around and say something. I did too. I was too. I I really was too. So you yelled at the screen saying, "Say something! Say something!" Or already he heard a thought, like or he heard a thought or something. Right, right. Or even if he that. had like kind of a glassy look in his eye for just a second and then shook mm-hmm. it off, you know, that would have been cool. Right. But it's fine the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now let's move on to our fourth and final episode for the evening, Arrow. Uh, this episode is basically uh, kind of uh, gave us the whole story about Ted Grant. Mm-hmm. Find out he was a vigilante six years ago. He had a sidekick as well. And the sidekick has come back to kick his ass pretty much and to frame him for multiple murders. Dun dun. Uh, dun dun dun. Not a lot of felicity in this episode. No. The felicity quotient was pretty low, although she was there. Um, some decent action uh, near the end there. That car chase with the motorcycles is pretty cool. I kind of like the fact that there were vigilantes in Starling City before Arrow. I do too. They kind of uh-huh. like they. I mean, they never said they weren't. So you, you, you kind of go, oh yeah, that's true. And it makes it makes their version of Wildcat have an interesting, more interesting backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not buying Laurel as being anything but a piece. You know, like that's a my problem. And we've seen her in the. They they put out the picture of her in the costume as Black Canary, and I know and I, just, I just I don't can't. have that feeling like I do. I did for Sarah. I just don't. I didn't have that giddy feeling when Sarah first had that suit on, and she's running around with the staff, beating up people, and. While while uh, Oliver is, is is you know shooting up people and beating them up too like that, it was just a synergy in the way that it was that they fought. I was glad they didn't drag out the whole Roy killing, you know, Roy being Sarah's murderer yeah. thing too. Yeah. I mean, I knew that it was going to be eventually disproven or whatever, but I'm I'm really glad that um they they didn't drag that out. Although you know he did find out that he did kill someone while under the Mercure. Yeah, he did, but I I need him to not to not mope about that like Oliver like Oliver did for so long. That I'm a killer. I I'm a, you know I yeah. I don't want him to to go all emo about that either. We've already been down that road. We don't need to yeah. see it again. Yeah, I just it just kind of bothers me. Like so, this this you know Wildcat guy's going to train her for a couple episodes, and all of a sudden she's going to be out there. Exactly, like kicking she, butt, you know. At least with with uh, Thea, she was gone for a little bit, so she had intensive training. At least, even with her, I kind of go okay. But still, well, she's training with Merlin, who's like on a whole different level. He's gonna fast, like he's gonna fast track your training. Like you, he's punching you in the face and putting your hand in fire. I mean, mm-hmm. it's... Yeah, molten wax all over the back <laughs> of your hand and stuff. That's some like Pi May level shit, you know. I would. I really would have. I, what I kind of think I would have liked for them to do is just to say, all right, Laurel, you're mad and upset. Nisa is there. Nisa, she, she asked Nisa, train me. And she goes away. Yep. And then she comes back to to do her thing. Like that, I, I would have been a little bit more into it 
Like, because she earned it. Right. But Plus, if I see, see her fighting with this guy, it's just... Eh. The, I mean, she's training with a boxer, for God's sake. You know right. what I mean? A street fighter boxer. I mean, you, at least if she trained with Nissa, she would learn some, like, League of Assassins. Exactly. Um, so, you know, yeah. some ninja techniques or whatever that would you know, make her more effective as Black Canary rather than just, you know, straight-up fisticuffs. You know, so... And I just don't see her being a yeah, like, she doesn't have she doesn't have the physicality that like Stephen no. and all the rest of them have. I mean, she ate a little bit more of a she probably ate a little bit more of a salad because she seemed to fill out a little bit more than in her face. Because remember the other season, she was looking like she was sick. Like she she really looked like she was sick. And now with Thea, they're making her look really toned and really right. Like she's actually so tell, it tells she you she's working out right. Right. Yeah, she seems to be exercising and working out for this thing, like training for this to be, you know, to do these things that she's doing. Mm-hmm. But Laurel, I mean, she looks a little bit more uh, healthier. I say that lightly. Right. She's a little bit more healthier and, and, and than she did before. But I still just, I'm angry. Like, if she says that one more time. Yeah, I need to work I, through my anger. Right, like I get it already. You've already said you're this. You're very, very mad. Like, just stop it. Already. I just for some reason though, I'm with you. I I buy it when it happened to Thea because it's Merlin training her. Right. And, uh, she looks more toned now. She looks like she's been training and she's her. And matured. Yeah, yeah. She carries herself differently. You know, the the actress is playing her differently. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas you know Laurel is just kind of the same whiny load that she's been you know and it's just you know always in the way and like kind of i'm gonna have trouble buying her as as black canary unless something radical season so far as laurel like you you've given me more laurel and that's a problem when it was a little bit of laurel it was fine but now you give you you have too much laurel for me so it's, it's it's becoming uh an issue like i I love Team Arrow, and then you throw her in there, and it just throws off Team Arrow for me. Right. Give us more Felicity, less Laurel. Yes. <laughs> or give us Nisa. Yes. I'll take some Nisa. I'd or some more Thea. Yeah. Some Thea, Thea, too, man. I'd love to have Nisa be the the um, the ally, the crazy ally that killed. You know, yeah. like, you don't have her on a lot, but she just... When the heavy shit comes down, she's there. Yeah. She's got your back, you know. Exactly. Like yeah. they'll all be like knuckling under and then some deep heavy stuff, and then all of a sudden this will be there to kind of save their ass. Right, and then he'll tell her not to kill, and she'll say, "Up yours," because you don't tell Nisa what to do. She, I love when she tells him, "You don't tell Nisa what to do." Right. <laughs> you can say you want that, but uh, no, that don't fly with me. When I put somebody down, they they stay down. You little stuff there, man. I mean, I um, but I liked this episode. I thought it was pretty good, and uh, I like the character. I like um, uh, J.R. Ramirez as Ted Grant, and you know, well enough. I'm just kind of hesitant about his, you know, being the only training Laurel gets and stuff. And I don't know more. I have more story problems than I have character problems. Yeah, I'd be cool with just seeing him without Laurel. It's. I yeah. hate to be that way for for an, on an actress or anybody. Or he, he'd be a good ally. He'd be a good ally for Team Arrow. He'd be like a, okay. a, an alternative to Diggle. Now that Diggle's going to have to sit out with the baby a little bit more. Right. You know? Like I, 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 you know, I feel bad not, you know, really being so anti Laurel, but I just, it's just the way I feel about it. Like she doesn't do it. Right. Like the whether the way they wrote her or whatever, she just seems to be a, not a character that's developed well. Yeah, I agreed. And even if she was, she just isn't as likable as the rest of the cast. 
Mm-mm. You know, even as intense and, and as, uh, you know, uh, heavy and grim as it can get, you know, they're still very likable, relatable actors for the most part, except for her. Right. And, you know, that's something that Donnie said from Jump, and I, t- I totally agreed with him when I caught up after, you know, he said that, was that she was the one weak link in the chain in the show. She is. I, I have to agree. She yeah. was. She is. Anywho, and at the very end of Stinger, we get to see this new character, Cupid, who I guess is, uh, from reading next week's uh, little teaser, is going to be like a stalker of the era. Mm-hmm. So that should be an interesting And she is a comic character in the yep. books. Yep, yep. So they, they continuity. It's funny how they have so many, because they're all, everybody's trying to find out who killed Sarah, that you're getting all these, all these Arrow-themed right. <laughs> villains coming in. They've got a lot to draw from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, um, it's just something how you, you, we have to like every time a villain comes in. Because I look at her and I'm go, could she be the killer? Like it's you can't help it. What you do, you, like as soon as I saw her, I went, wait, who is she? Is she the killer? Is she? I really think it's gonna be one that being Ra's al Ghul did it. Yeah, I kind of think he's. If he didn't do it himself, he set it into motion to cause the chaos with Team Arrow. Right. Absolutely. Right. That's, because that's that's her next. That's his. That's his um, next thing he has to deal with. Was was going to be, uh, you know. Right, and it's it's better. It would be better to subvert them than to just out and out kill all of them. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that would be the thing to break Nisa from her father. Like, if you have to find something that will do it, because in the book she she did. She did turn away from her father eventually, and I think she, I think that she will too, because they keep showing. Every time they do show Nisa, there is that, it's that 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 look in the eye of doubt, like your father. You know, like when they when they talk to her about her father, it's that doubt, that feeling, a hesitation that she gives off, that makes me think that eventually she's going to, uh, to turn away from him. And I think that the perfect way, the way to do that is to find out that she killed the, the girl she loved. The woman she she loved, right? That would be the perfect way to get her away from him quickly. It would. It'd be a good way to sow dissent in the group too by using mm-hmm. arrows and you know, knowing that they all use arrows and stuff. So exactly, they really wanted Merlin off the table. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, this way, they take away Merlin's protection and they can get to him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it seems like a Rachel Ghoul kind of play. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He is the master manipulator, and that 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 would be the you know that would go as an mo. What he does. So I'm really liking this season of Arrow so far. In this episode, in particular, was I thought pretty good. You too. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. We have a few news bits to get to, and then we're out of here. We've got some really cool casting news this week for the David Ayer's um, Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. Now I am super psyched for this because I've loved Suicide Squad since back in the day. Um, uh, what you on that? But uh, first, the first little bit we got this week with Jared Leto was being uh, rumored as being up for the Joker in the Suicide Squad movie, which surprised me that they were even going to introduce the Joker at all. Me too, and that he would be a major. I mean, you don't get Jared Leto unless the Joker is a major part in the story, like not, right. just, not just a cameo or right. you know, like a one line or whatever. Then we also heard that John Bernthal, who played Shane on The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. is being lined up uh, for a role in the Suicide Squad movie. He worked with um, David Ayers on Fury. 
Um, when he was at Tulsa Comic Con, they asked him about it. He said he couldn't talk about it. So by saying that, he kind of confirmed that he is. He's a great dead shot. Yes, I was thinking the same thing. He would be an awesome dead shot. That kind of likable asshole character. That would be, he would be with perfect. With a leader mentality. Yeah, with a leader, uh, with that charismatic leader type of yes. uh, mentality. I was thinking the exact same thing. And then we also um, got news that Margot Robbie is rumored to be playing Harley Quinn. Huh? Which I think is a pretty decent choice. She was she could play the the sexy, because um, I remember from Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street when mm-hmm. in the beginning she plays the I'm just hot and sexy I don't know anything and then she becomes very assertive at the end where I don't want to be married to you anymore like she she played off both parts very well like she's not I'm not dumb. Like she 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 pulled the, the she kind of kind of pulled turned the tables on on that character and I like she and it was like a switch went off the in her eyes the way she did it and I could see her being you know playing uh, Harley Quinn and being able to in one minute in one second one second she's the lovable I'm just crazy I don't know right and then the next minute she's like. You forget that, oh, yeah, she is a, a psychologist and a killer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that that could really work to her advantage playing that role. Right. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm psyched. I'm psyched for that we're actually going to get a, uh, a, you know, a, first of all, a Suicide Squad movie, but, you know, directed by a real director and with some really you know, good acting uh, there alongside. So pretty excited for that. That's, yeah, that's I mean. really cool. Uh, the um, producers of Constantine said that they're going to be diving a little bit deeper into the DC continuity. They're going to include uh, characters in, uh, such as Doctor Thirteen, you know, Doctor mm-hmm. Terrence Thirteen, the, the Ghost Breaker, and uh-huh. Felix Faust, who's like kind of the evil wizard. Oh yeah, uh, of the DCU. Um, you know, very well portrayed in the the animated uh, as well as the New Fifty Two. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Interesting that they'll be going to those, you know, those characters a little, you know, a little deeper into the well there, as it were. And yeah. uh, as you mentioned before, uh, we saw some pictures of uh, Katie Cassidy as uh-huh. black as uh, as uh, Black Canary. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't. And you know what? If I didn't know her character or know her, I might think she looked pretty cool. Probably, it's but I just, see, yeah. I, I just see Laurel. I just see like exactly. Laurel. I see Laurel. <laughs> That's you. You got it. That is exactly what my problem is. I all I see is Laurel. I see nothing else but Laurel. If I didn't see the show, I would just be like, "Wow, she was kind of hot." Blah blah blah. But now, yeah. you know, I, unfortunately, I've been tainted by the character. Ah, um, totally. The Fox execs are declaring Gotham a hit. And not a one season wonder. They were saying, um, they, you know, they put out a press release saying that going even going to plus thirty days on their ratings, that Gotham has been a huge hit for them, the breakout hit of uh, of the season, um, you know, garnering all the viewership, fifteen million uh, average on every episode. So that's you know, nothing to sneeze at. Not at all. And then finally, we also uh, got a uh, word this week that we might be seeing the Flying Graysons. Uh, come through Gotham, and which is you know, cool. Which that is cool. cool. Like, it would make sense, you know. Maybe we, you know, you know this is our baby. Means... This is our baby named, uh, you know, this right. is our baby named Richard. You know, and I could, and I could see because there've been a bunch of incarnations where Batman has talked about. I watched your family, 
you know, as a kid, I remember going to the circus and watching your family perform. Right. Because it was a big deal when they come to, to Gotham. Everybody knew the Graysons. Like, that was the, you know, the star of the, they were the star of the circus. Because of how good they were. Right. I mean, they were world famous acrobats. They were world famous. So, so yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense to put them in, I, I think it makes sense to put them in the continuity. Right. And it doesn't disturb the story at all. No. You have them come in. Uh, have, a circus theme, have a circus themed episode, you know. Right. And then they go right on out mm-hmm. and they're gone. You can have little, if if even, even if they, yeah, the, the infant uh, Dick Grayson. Yeah. Call it a day. There you go. So that's all the DC TV news that we have. Um, I think that about wraps it up for the week in DC TV. Uh, mm-hmm. If you would like to hear more of Daryl's great podcasting, please go to the Daryl to the Taylor Network of Podcasts.com and you can find uh, his entire podcasting empire there laid bare before you, uh, including no apologies. Yeah, I said it. Nothing's on. Um, what is the the, uh, the the Geek Girl Snark Snark Fest? Yeah, Comic Rack uh, Snark Fest. Right, Comic Rack Snark Fest. Yeah, um, if you want to hear some Harlequin uh, snarkiness. You can hear it on that show. Can never get enough snark, right? <laughs> well, and if you, you, if you want to hear Rich and myself, you can find us at the HHWLOD.com, uh, which is the home for the HHWLOD podcasting network. Mm-hmm. If you like, uh, if you like TV, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, comic book TV, we have podcasts based are uh, devoted to The Walking Dead, to the um, Sleep Below. To- it's all connected, which not only covers Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but also covers its connections into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, much like we cover the DC TV on this end of things. Um, if you are a geek, we have shows that cover comic books, and we, we have shows that cover brand new movies. Um, all kinds of great stuff on our, on our uh, website. Please go there, hhwlod.com. You're bound to find something there that you enjoy. And until next week, thank you so much for joining me, Daryl, and thank you also to Rich, the Chub Toad himself, and we are Ghost.
Just fine. 